everybody, and welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. Would you like to tell the people what this is? This is a podcast about movie franchises. So Micah and I watch a franchise mm-hmm. and analyze if all of the movies work together, if one of them doesn't, why they do, why they don't. We like movies, and, and we like talking about And them. guess what? We've covered all of Marvel. We've covered all of Mad Max. We've covered all the Shrek movies, and now we're finally on our fourth series, and this is the last entry in that series. It is Toy Story 4. And if you are just jumping in right now, all everything I just mentioned is available on whatever you're listening to this on. It's all out there. So do this. Go back and listen to them if you haven't and you like it. Um, And at the end of this episode, we're going to announce what our next series is going to be, which is kind of a long one. We were originally going to do a short one, a little trilogy that we're not going to say because we'll probably do it soon. But um, now we're doing a a good old, well, here's the hint, folks. There's nine or there's ten movies in the total series because you have to include the extra spinoff movies, Jordan. Yeah, but aren't there only... There's eight, remember? Eight. And then then you add two. two. Ten. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so you can be guessing the whole episode just like, oh, what could it possibly be? So, but today we're finishing up Toy Story. I'm, I'm very happy with how the series has turned out. I think it is our best coverage yet, especially because of the kickoff with the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and last week also, we talked about how maybe Toy Story is like the only perfect series when yeah. you include all entries. But, uh, folks, I forgot about the uh, Before Trilogy by Richard Linklater. Nerd. Which is, a ro- like, um, they're, rom- they're romance movies. Nerd. And all three of them are really incredible and uh, just build upon each nerd. other. But I think after, fin- <laughs> after finishing Toy Story 4, I told Jordan, I said, you know what? This is my favorite movie series. And I'm ready to stand on that as a personal favorite because I think every movie is absolutely Wait, perfect. Better than the Dark Knight trilogy? Oh, I f- always forget that that because I think of Batman and I think of the whole Batman series. This one I think is better because I uh, you have Batman Begins, Katie Holmes in it. I, yeah. I don't not specifically her, but I feel like she was very like typecast as a girl in a superhero movie. Yeah. And I don't think she had too much to do in the movie. Okay. I think I she's got a I good amount. I haven't seen it in a while, one. but a lot of it seems very generic to me down to the, to how she looks. Okay. Personally. We'll cover that at some point, but I'm sure. That being said, I, I think she's still it's still a good movie and she does well. Yeah. But I don't think it's perfect well and they, they do recast her which is a little smudge yeah um even though it's probably the right call i think so and then even though i really love dark knight rises i think there's still a couple of like goofier things in the movie Ooh, like what um i can't think of anything off the top of my head but i, I think there might be oh, a i remember couple you of... hate joseph gordon levitt that is not true that is not true but he does i really like joseph gordon levitt although right now he's doing weird stuff but uh he starts the movie with a New York accent and does not end the movie with one, which is very strange. He kind of has a weird way of talking, though. Have you noticed that? I haven't noticed that. Expound upon it, please. He just has an interesting way of talking. Okay. And I, I, I mean, he probably did do some kind, tried doing some kind of weird accent, and then throughout shooting, mm-hmm. just like went into however he talks. Yeah. But he's got an interesting way of talking, I think. 
Yeah. I think it's just his dot his uh how he talks. Just yeah, like I his... don't know where he's from. I don't either. Um but uh yeah, I I think Toy Story is probably the best. Um and and again, I would probably put Lord of the Rings above it, except for the fact that you have to include the Hobbit movies. And I really don't like those movies. I haven't even seen the last one because I hated Desolation of Smaug so much. Um, but at some point, I am sure we will cover those, and it'll be Jordan and I just freaking out for every Lord of the Rings original trilogy movie and then just dunking on the Hobbit movies yeah. for like two hours each. Yep. Um, but Toy Story 4, here we go. It, are you still looking up uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah, where he's from? Yeah, when like, actors are so famous that their bios just don't make sense anymore. What do you mean? Like, Keep- I, I like that most of the the bios, when you look up, it's like, this person is from here, and their parents are this person and this person, and it says they're... Per- like, basically a Wikipedia entry. Yeah. But I feel like some of the actors who are so famous, it's like... From humble beginnings, oh. <laughs> on the stage to here to now being currently in this movie, and it's like I just want to like get a tiny, just give me the beginning of a bio, yeah, of him. Like it should all be the same format on IMDb. I agree with you, yeah, for yeah. sure. He's and from it, LA, so he's from LA. I would have thought he was an East Coast boy, although he could have done a New York accent better if he was an East Coast boy. I think. Um, interesting. Okay. Well, um, we're jumping into Toy Story 4, and here we go. This movie is directed by Josh Cooley. This is his cool, f- man. first uh, movie. Um, Ever? But he's been involved in other Pixar movies, uh, most uh, notably the story supervisor of Inside Out. Um, and then this is nuts. So the original story, um, like original story by credit goes to John Lasseter, Andrew Stanton, Josh Cooley, Valerie LaPointe, Rashida Jones, Will McCormick, Martin Hines, and Stephanie Folsom. A lot of lobbying by people to get a credit. Yeah, well, I think I can speak to how some of that breaks down. Um, but for one, I did want to point out um, Rashida Jones and Will McCormick were writing partners. They don't have too much in terms of writing that's super notable, but we all know Rashida Jones from The Office and Parks she and Recreation. Um, yeah, but I just it did, I didn't recognize any of it, and I'm like, there's seven writers, so oh. I'm not going to okay. spend too much time. Um, but Stephanie Folsom and Andrew Stanton did the screenplay of like the movie. So um, You mean Toy Story 1? Toy Story 4. Oh, this okay. is all Toy Story four. I'm talking when about when you say the movie. I uh, well, I mean, I mean, well, okay. One. I'll I'll explain that in a second. Um, but uh, Stephanie Folsom is doing the Lord of the Rings TV show that's coming out. Okay. She's written a couple episodes, and she, then she wrote some of Star Wars Resistance, which is a like an anime style retelling of um, Star Wars. Is that kind of on? Dis- I think it's on Disney Plus. That sounds interesting. Um, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, I believe it's a retelling anyway. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was, cool. it's like geared more toward like young kids. Yeah. Um, but the art, the art direction is very, very cool looking. Um, but yeah, so basically I was listening to, uh, a podcast that was interviewing Andrew Stanton, who we know from Finding Dory and Wally and another Pixar guy and Stephanie, uh, what was her name again? <laughs> Stephanie Folsom. And uh, they they were talking about how this movie went through around 10 drafts and, like, 10 animatics. 
And um, I think we talked about this in previous episodes, but the animatic is basically them storyboarding and doing like a rough animation of the entire movie. Mm. So they basically made the movie 10 times and then they they settle on this one and then actually like make, 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 make the movie, Mm. if that makes sense. So um, the impression I got from this interview is like, you know, all those different people I listed, they did either sections of the movie or like whole runs. And then by the end of going through all these different writers, like Stephanie Folsom and Andrew Stanton were like, okay, this is what we want to do though. Taking ideas, throwing them out. So it's kind of like, I got the impression that it's like, it's their story. It's their movie, but they have to give credit because a lot of the ideas wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. And it sounded like Stephanie in particular really cracked a lot of the story. Cool. Um, I, I think she kind of uh, provided the the like redemptive arc of Gabby Gabby, which cool. I think is pretty crucial to the movie. And then um, I guess uh, Forky was originally just a gag that was going to be in the movie, just like a funny joke. And then Brad Bird, um, who he doesn't have any like credits in the movie, but he's Pixar, so Sounds they're like going to consulted. Yeah. And um, he just kind of met with him, and he was like, guys, I'm just stuck on Forky. There's something there. I don't know what it is, but you got to spend more time on Forky. So once again, Brad Bird comes in, the superhero that he is, and, like, yeah. fixes it, basically. Because um, he's the key to the whole thing in a lot of ways, Forky, in this movie. Um, so then we got produced by Mark Nielsen, who produced Inside Out and Cars 2, and Jonas Rivera, who produced Inside Out and Up. Music, Randy Newman. Cinematography by John Claude Kalashe, who did the cinematography for Up and Cars, and Patrick Lynn. That's who the guy did... from the video. Oh, no, Patrick Lynn's the guy from the video. Yeah, he, he talked about both of he them. He did, but... but he showed that guy. Yeah, Patrick Lynn um, did Bow, the short before... What movie was that before? Um, Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2, with the per- the woman eating the dumpling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he did The Blue Umbrella, Up, and The Incredibles. So should we talk a little bit about the cinematography element of the movie? Uh, okay. So um, in this movie, and I'll, I'll need to find it again. I just put my note away for some reason. This is, th- there's a great video called The Real Fake Cameras of Toy Story 4 that I would encourage you to watch if you're interested because these two cinematographers really want, um, Pixar in general has always followed the rule of we we don't want to do things in camera that are not possible if this was shot in reality. And this movie in particular really takes that to the next level where it is genuinely like it it is it is real filmmaking like physical filmmaking. And it's interesting because of animation you can do anything you want. You don't have yeah. to have the limitations of a camera. But that they consciously made the choice to do that yeah and i I think because of that this movie is so gorgeous like up there on one of the most gorgeous movies i've ever seen really because they follow those rules but then they have the beauty of certain animated things that you can't do Mm -hmm. uh in real life Mm -hmm. um so they this movie has a 2.39 to 1 aspect ratio oh here's the ratios again <laughs> so it's it's very wide and if you look at the other three movies they all have a smaller ratio yeah so there's much more to animate but it also makes it look much more cinematic yeah and then um 
the the cinematographer was talking about how like in in live action it's lights camera action the old adage you mm -hmm. start with lights go to camera then you do act but in in animation it's camera action and then you do the lights last yeah that's kind of interesting um and the one of the lynn guy so not that guy but the other guy did the lights he was the director of oh, photography for the lights oh for the lighting yeah you're right yeah and then that guy was a cinematographer for everything else yeah. And they were saying in the video that the other... What's that guy's name? The other guy? Uh, Jean-Claude Kalache. So Kalache, he animated every light down to the light bulb. Yeah. That's how <laughs> meticulous he was with with the lights. Yeah. <laughs> and the the other guy, what was cool, if you highly recommend the video, again, because the other guy, he's worked on a lot of Pixar movies as well. But... Mm -hmm. um. One of his shorts is this, uh, it's a, the blue and red umbrella. I don't remember specifically what it's called. The blue My, umbrella the is blue what umbrella. it's called, yeah. Um, really good short, but you, as watching it, you're you're like, the, these are like camera movements. Yeah. That, that are going on in here. Like shaky camera. Shaky cam. Or and steady it's like cam more. But. Really, it's just a really interesting choice. Why would you do that? And then in the video, it shows him with a camera like on his shoulder, like jiggling it around. Yeah. Um, as a computer is like processing it for yeah. how it would look because he wanted the effect that like, like a human, like the human's perspective effect mm -hmm. of how you walk, how your vision goes kind of janky like that as you're walking and on a street with a lot of people and stuff like that. So I think he, he definitely, I, I think it sounded like he really pioneered camera movements in animation. That's what it and sounded And they were like, saying, because yeah. he did Inside Out, and then, so in Inside Out, when they were in, like, reality, in the little, like, in the world, um, the camera movements were very shaky. Mm. But when they were in the, the girl's, like, mind, the camera movements were very fluid. Because it's her, because so cool. it's, like, dreamlike, and it's emotions and all that stuff. And I'm like, this is why film is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and speaking right to that, uh, the they selected real cameras to emulate in this yeah. movie. So they they used a well use quote because they're faking it. A, they used a Cook S four I prime and then anamorphic I primes. I hope I'm saying those right. So the Cook one was the one that um, it was Bo Peep's perspective that showed more oval, like really. So that's I believe. I believe that the is the, the spherical lenses, which I believe are the Cook camera, were to represent Woody's internal conflict oh, okay, so the and not one. wanting to change. And then the anamorphic were for Bo to represent the change. Yeah. And you can see that... Sorry, burped. But like when the, when they're having a conversation and you see it's showing from Bo Peep's perspective, the, va the background is completely um, blurry and out of focus. Mm -hmm. And every everything that is out of focus are like oval shapes. It's yeah. very subtle. Yeah. But then it's very subtle. But when it's Woody's perspective looking at her, it's it's kind of like you can kind of see everything for the most yeah. part. I'm glad you remembered because I was trying to look up the difference and it is very subtle. And I was looking at like side by sides, not of Toy Story, but of other things. And I kind of forgot what he said in the video about that. So I'm really glad you remember because yeah. I was having trouble doing it. And and in that in that video, again, it's called the real fake cameras in Toy Story 4. He kind of mentions how like you might not actually notice it, but you feel it. Yes, that and, was, that was the big important thing. And that's the beauty of it. And um one another one thing I want to say, I think I think that this movie, after watching, this is the third time I've seen it. 
Um, and I think that this movie marks like some sort of point in animation history. I'm not entirely certain what point, but it feels like it perfectly blended um, real realism of like some of the stuff doesn't look like it could be more look like you've said it doesn't look it doesn't oh what you're trying to say is which is true this movie was is completely real that's what it looks it can't, like this movie the, I, I believe that toys move around anapromorphic <laughs> have set their sentient beings because that's how real this movie looked yeah but what what i think is really cool is um, I'll use Good Dinosaur as a juxtaposition, and yeah. I want to state that I like Good Dinosaur, but I think this movie does a much better job of blending those two worlds of animation and realism. Don't you feel like Good Dinosaur was more of an experiment? I think it was, okay. yeah. It's almost like we should try the software, like all this stuff out, and here's and like sacrifice. a pretty simple story that could have been better maybe. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's still a good movie. Yeah, I like it. But um, in that movie, it's like the dinosaurs and characters are so cartoony compared to the the, the world landscape, yeah. that they do look like they're set in it. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, it perfectly blends like it still looks like Woody that you know from all the other three movies, but it looks like our world. But the the blend is so perfect perfect that you you never your your suspension of disbelief has never broken i would say movie. the only thing that reminds you it's not real are the actual people because the yeah. characters are toys so they already look cartoony because yeah. it's a toy but the people still while the people look amazing and full texture full life yeah it's just still cartoon mm-hmm. there but that's it man yeah i i don't know anything else <laughs> in that movie that is cartoony yeah. Well, and, and I just I just think that this movie kind of marks like a pinnacle of like, okay, we, we can do that and we've done it. And it's so cool that, you know, it starts with Toy Story and I think that this like period of animation starts and ends with Toy Story 1, Toy Story 4. Yeah. And now it's time for them to like find new stuff or like find different ways to animate. You know, it's interesting that you pointed out that Pixar's next movie is Onward and it does not look realistic. In, in at really all. Any I, sort like, of, of way. course, you still have the texture. Like, oh, I can yeah. look at it and still know how it feels. But no, I'm glad that they're going way, way off with yeah, the I think next it's, one. I, I, I hadn't thought of it till you pointed it out, but I think it is the a good move to make because I think people would maybe come be to like, expect that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man. but there's another thing in the video where you're going to talk about the split diopter. Oh, I shot. almost forgot. Yeah, is that what it's called? The split diopter. Split diopter diopter yeah split diopter so it's a shot where everyone's seen it if you've seen a movie pretty much it's when someone's in the foreground and someone's in the background and they're both in focus which does is not possible with one lens well uh specifically it's when they're both in focus and other parts of the scene are, are out, out of focus. focus yeah and you can you can just go to like um the infinity focus and you could set a camera up and everything's in focus yeah so you can't really achieve what he just described with one like just one one lens you know what i mean yeah so what it is is the the lens is split and one catches the foreground one catches the background and then right in the middle there's a blur yeah and it looks amazing probably one of my favorite shots in movies yeah you can see it in um jaws it's used in hateful eight of a couple times a couple of quentin tarantino's movies actually yeah and it's it's really cool. Um, keep going though. I so, don't want to. Yeah. Cut you so off. they do it in this movie, which is interesting because it's animation. They 
don't have to what's the point like they could just have everything in focus and yeah. you wouldn't know the difference um and this one is pretty so su- i'd say this one is more subtle than actual film mm-hmm. um because i i didn't notice it until you told me about it but in the video it says that it's to convey um gabby Unease. gabby gabby's like like you shouldn't really trust her yeah, because you have this shot where Forky walks up to Gabby Gabby and he's like, when's Woody going to be here? And she was just painting herself in a mirror and she turns and she says like, oh, he's coming any time. And you can see that right behind her, there's like a china plate and yeah. it's blurry. But then Forky's even further behind her and he's in focus and she's in focus and there's stuff behind him that's blurry. Yeah. And there's, I think, is there was there a tiny smudge? I think they well, yeah, even added is. the there, tiny there smudge. Would be. Well, yeah, but it's animation. They don't have to. But if they're doing going with that right. lens, they but, would do that. Absolutely. I just it's crazy that they made that decision. So it's to show a divide between the truth. Yeah, yeah, and and I think um, the the um, on that video he hypothesized that it your it it natu- it uh, does not look natural when you see it in film. So usually it's used in a way that like conveys unease and whatnot. And so he was exploring what that meant to this story which we kind of just discussed but um that's insane yeah it's it's just so cool and it's It's so above and beyond and it's exactly like what he said in the movie it's it's what you're supposed to feel it you're not supposed to know like you're not supposed to notice yeah that really but you are supposed to feel it because like imagine if like for the lighting example for example Mm -hmm. if the lighting was just a little bit different than what it was in the movie we would it would make us feel different things the same with listening to music if you're listening to a song and you take one instrument out of it whether even if it was like barely there and you actually consciously didn't know it was there you would feel that something was missing absolutely and it's it's cool because it's like art it it like tricks you into feeling something yeah and i mean i don't think tricks in a bad way either it's like because you have the story and it's a, a something that's originally written and then you choose which medium you want to tell it in, whether it's still a book or not. And you can, um, oh man, I totally just lost my train of thought. This <laughs> happens all the time. But anyway, so you can, you can, you have the story and then. <sighs> oh no. Oh I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm losing it. <laughs> no, you're I'm good. losing it. Yeah, I mean, let's appreciate this. You were on a roll of just like zing, zang, zing, zang, It's zing. too much to think about. Well, this movie will anyway. The what you're supposed to feel and what they're supposed to, what they're showing you, or what you're listening to in music, the feeling is also telling the story. Absolutely. So you're reading the words and you're feeling something because you're reading literally what it is. But when you're having it being told to you, shown to you, it's the feelings that are also telling the story. Good, you oh, got there. <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna get there. Um. Okay. So have we wrapped up the yeah. cinematography there? Okay. Just have a couple more notes for you. So the movie had a $200 million budget and it made $434,038,008 and a worldwide total of $1,073,394,593, which leads me to a very weird thing that happened this year. Uh, There's still a couple notes after this, but... You said they were shorter. I know, but I just for I wanted to mention this. There was this weird thing that was happening uh, when this movie came out, where I remember seeing articles where it was like, "Toy Story Four is underperforming." Like it was supposed to make like anywhere from one fifty 
to 179 this this opening weekend and it's making like 129 I think on its opening weekend. And there's just just weird I I just don't know what people are talking about where people started talking about like franchise fatigue and how like this year with Avengers Endgame coming out and capping that like people are like done with franchises um because Men in Black 4 didn't do well and um like Hobbs and Shaw underperformed and stuff. But frankly, this movie didn't underperform. It made un- over a billion dollars. I think that's a stupid hypothesis. Oh, so you hypothesis. think this started that conversation? I think yeah, this yeah. one this one did cuz it was this and then Godzilla as well was underperforming. So all these movies were underperforming, but if you look at them, which this is something I remember David Sims writing um mm-hmm. in in uh response to it, um film critic at The Atlantic, he was saying how it's like, yeah, but if you look at the successful franchise films, which he included Toy Story, and I do too, because it made a billion dollars. It's dumb to say that it's not doing well. Um, the ones that are written well and are good movies, people saw over and over and over again. So yeah. Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man, this one. But the movies that like critically and audience-wise didn't do well, people didn't go see a bunch of times. Yeah. So it's not franchise fatigue. It's just telling the filmmakers, actually, if you don't write it well, we don't want to go see it just because it says Men in Black on it. Yeah. So... Um, I think it's actually kind of cool this year that it's it's encouraging studios to be like, ah, I guess if we just slap Godzilla on a on a movie, it doesn't mean people are going to see it. We have well, to I make like, a good movie. I feel like now more than ever, we live in a world where was I just reading? Some, I was probably listening to something. Mm-hmm. It might have been Comedy Bang Bang or something. Okay, where like everyone is a critic now because of the internet. Yeah. Therefore, like like now more than other ever, people are probably paying more attention to how a movie is doing. Yeah. Um, whether they listen to it from a comedian. It was comedy bang bang, yeah. by the way. <laughs> whether they hear it from like a comedian who's not getting paid to be a film critic mm-hmm. or like an influencer on Instagram who's talking about they just saw Star Wars and they loved it or something like that. Yeah. Like like people are listening to stuff like that more. And then you have I feel like people now more than ever too are probably reading f- film reviews yeah, more than ever because of accessibility. Yeah. Um, because I know back then people still like knew who film reviewers were and they were like big deals. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just feel like that's, that's it's becoming very prevalent, which is like in one way really cool because people are paying more attention, but then that also means everyone, which is this part isn't bad. Like everyone has their own opinion, but everyone thinking that their opinion is fact is the problem. Yeah. Um, but I Which won't get is, into that too much. Well, it's ironic because we're doing a podcast about yeah, our it is. our opinions. But I do think we've both gotten a lot better at being like, oh, if you like that movie, okay. Yeah. Um, because now the, it is like everyone has an opinion and everyone gets so heated about stuff. And it's like, oh, well, I think it's okay that you don't like this movie. I, I get, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you don't like one of the Toy Stories, that's weird to me. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> you could be a Sid at least. Um, okay. So originally the movie was going to be directed by John Lasseter, and then um, eventually Cooley was set to co-direct with him. Um, but then Lasseter stepped down because he was producing too much stuff and he had too much on his plate. And then a year following that, he got um, he got outed through the Me Too movement as like being pretty inappropriate with coworkers and stuff, and then he quit um, Pixar. Um, and then there was a claim that Jones, Rashida Jones, denied that that Lassiter had like advanced on her inappropriately, okay. um, but she said that didn't happen. She said the reason she left the project 
was over um, like ideological differences. And she was claiming that Pixar was not like people of color and women did not have equal opportunity at Pixar creatively. Hmm. And so that's it's a boys club. Yeah. And I, I think they're getting better. I, I hope they're getting better. Um, they are finally having the first like woman directed Pixar movie, I think in 2021, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Glad it finally, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, can't believe it took this long. I can't believe she had to do a short before she got to do a movie. Granted, yeah. the short's amazing. It's freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's the girl who directed um, B- Bao. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that happened. And then um, Andrew Stanton secretly was working on this movie before Toy Story 3 came out. Oh. And most people at Pixar didn't even know about it hmm. until it was announced because he was just like... Hmm, something is... And he didn't take any of those other two great ideas. And then he came up with this one, which is a great idea. Yeah, yeah. So um, that is my notes. And we are ready to rock through. Well, and, no, well, we're not. Oh, no, we're not. Your notes now, Jordan. Just a few. So all the regular players in this movie, but you also um, have some new players, like who's Forky, you ask? Tony Hale. Oh, yeah. Who's Tony Hale? Buster from Arrested Development. Uh, he's also in Veep. He's also in a Switchfoot music video. Awakening. And then he's in a lot of other random things. He's in Angry Birds 2. Um, <laughs> and, you know, kids shows. A lot of voice acting. He's great. He's so funny. Um, and then you have Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele. Yeah. Uh, so they're they in it like they're the they're the stuffed animal stuck together if you didn't already know yeah that one i i love though that they because i mean they've of course they do stuff here and there but uh it'd been a little while since key and peel had been off air so this to me feels almost like a reunion yeah and it's great um and then the the little police officer girl uh, toy. Oh, yeah. Who's that? Um, Allie Mackey, who I've never seen her in anything ever. Uh, apparently, she is in Wrecked. Sounds, seems like she was like a main character. I don't even know what that show's about. But I don't know 30 either. episodes. 30? Wow. Yeah. Um, as well as other shows. And then we have uh, Co- uh, Duke Kaboom. Wow. Oh, yeah. Who, who did Duke Kaboom? Keanu Reeves. Oh yeah, baby. Who fun fun fact, uh when I was younger, I thought his name was Canoe. Canoe Reeves. Yeah. Um so I mean, guys, he's he's the world's sweetheart, nicest guy. Yeah. Currently going through a Keanaissance, is that what you called it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's not just me. That's I but I'm yeah. saying is that what it is. Um he is but before this resurgence of Keanu Reeves, he is Neo in the Matrix. Duh. Mm-hmm. He's Johnny Utah in Point Break. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's is he and Jason confused or the other one? He, oh no, Bill and Bill Ted. And Ted. He's in Bill and Ted, which is uh, seems like that's where he got his start. I think that's his first like really big role. Okay, never seen it. Probably will at some point in my life. Will be a little disappointed about it. It's pretty fun. Okay, it's, it's a also, fun movie. Is that the one with uh, Sean Penn? No, that's You're Days thinking, and Confused. No, that is um, Fast like, Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, so there's like three movies that came out around the same time period. That are all guys being stoners. Yeah, but actually, Bill and Ted are not stoners, and that's the only movie where uh, they time travel. The rest they don't. Well, I know, time I know that, I know that, but they're not stoner. Are they just nerds? No, they're not. I think. Um, or are they like Marty McFly? I was actually listening to a podcast about it that had Griffin on as a guest, um, 
And uh, they, he was just talking about how it's weird that they became like stoner icons because they never, um, they they never like get stoned in any of the movies, and it's like never a part of their character. Must have just been the time period, and they're just young guys, and these other two movies came out, and it's just like yeah, I think it kind of gets together. lumped in. Yeah, interesting. Um, also, should mention that Gabby Gabby is Christina Hendricks. Yeah, who is Mad in Madman, Lost River, directed by um him awesome. yeah and then she's a neon demon i have not seen her in much i've actually. seen her in another movie though what? a great movie that also has ryan gosling in it drive she's in drive who is she she's uh i don't remember who she is exactly but um she's in the movie and she gets oh she's in spoiler alert killed oh yeah interesting um that is that's the the bulk of it though. Cool. Oh, oh no. We already talked about her. Well, and uh, speaking to Keanu though, I mean, how insane is it? And other people have spoken to this. This is not a new idea, but it's so insane that he went through like Bill and Ted fame, then he went to like Matrix fame, action star point break. Yeah. And then now he's in like this third wave of his career where it's like action slash comedy guy. Oh, who's like one. in all of this stuff. And it's just so insane that he's become, he's like, he has like three roles where he is so iconic. It's unbelievable. Bill yeah. and Ted matrix and John wick where like you, you, people, and, well, would, I would say this one too. People love Duke Kaboom. <laughs> I know Duke Kaboom rules. Yeah. But, but they're the kind of roles where like if they, they were recast in other movies, people wouldn't see it. Like if they, like if well they are making another Bill and Ted but if they were like and we're not doing Keanu who's the other guy um I don't know who's who Ted? he is um I don't know who he is um but is Keanu Bill did I just guess right probably you did but we'll have to cover that series when that movie comes out even though there's only two yeah because there'll be a third one and we'll go see it oh there's already two there's two already yeah oh, okay so the the first one they and time travel stoners. <laughs> First one, they time travel. The second one, I believe they have to, like, fight the devil in hell or something. All right. And then the third one is called Bill and Ted Face the Music. And what's cool that I learned... I hope Tenacious is that, D is in it. Is that... Ke oh, I hope so, too. Keanu Reeves has always... Like, like some people have kind of looked at it as, like, an embarrassing thing at different times in his career. And he's always been like, I had so much fun on that set. I love all those people. I want to do a third one someday. Oh, okay. And he's always pushed for it. And now that he has, like, the John Wick blank check, he's like, that's the movie I want to make. Okay. So it's kind of, I feel like the movie will be great because it's just, like, he's he's been wanting to do it for 30 years. And if no one who listens to this podcast has, if no one has seen Point Break, do yourself a favor. Just go watch oh, it. Oh, my God. And not the remake. No, no, no. The Catherine Bigelow point break. Do yourself a favor. Yeah. Red Hot Chili Peppers singers oh, in it yeah, too. So yeah. and then watch uh, Hot Fuzz afterward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot. So the one who plays Dolly, who is was in the last movie as well. She's like oh, yeah. the one that kind of runs Bonnie's room. Mm -hmm. It's Bonnie Hunt who was in Jumanji Bonnie and The Green Mile and Rain Man. And She's great. Faith. I've been trying to figure out her voice. Yeah. The whole time. And I just keep for, I think because her profile picture does not have her in it on IMDb. I like was just skipping it. Um, but I'm good. Okay. Got to find out who Ted is right now. So the movie opens and it says nine years ago. And well, actually there's the Pixar logo. We hear thunder. It starts raining and the lamp goes out in the rain. Mm -hmm. And it says nine years ago. 
And I've never seen this guy in my life. Also, Keanu's Ted. He's Ted. Okay, so, so that, I think that that's mystery the only has thing been this guy solved. Has done, What's the guy's name again? I mean, we may Alex as well. Alex Winter. Alex Winter. And look at this picture for Bill and Ted face the music. How cute is that? Oh, I've seen that. Where <laughs> they look so happy to be together. They look so happy about it. Yeah. That's it's cute. gonna be fun. I'm I'm excited to see it. Um, and I hope Keanu never cuts his hair and shaves the beard again. <laughs> I know he's, it's just, he's so great with long hair. Come yeah, on, he is. Um. Anyway, sorry. We can well, talk. Also, about did you know this? I'm sure at some point they're gonna change this, but as of right now, um, Matrix Four, which has been announced and everything, is coming out the same day as John Wick Chapter Four. That is currently what every what the studios That's are doing. Meta man, and. I think they'll probably change because they don't want to s- bounce on each other. But I'm also like, just double do it. feature. Just everyone do it is required to do a double that feature be, that day. I would love to do a double feature of that. I would. That would be so much fun. And I think a lot of people would do that. I think they'd both just make so much money. But I could also see like a lot of people are logistically. Have to it doesn't really make sense. But as like a movie fan, it's yeah. like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so the movie starts. It's raining. Already, you're seeing this rain animation. And you're like, no, it's not animation. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> the way you say that, it looks like you're actually, you're kind of like upset at how real it is. You're just yeah. like, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Don't try to fool me that it's not. That's why I'm mad. <laughs> and and we see that um, RC um, is stuck out in the in the mud and it's raining and, and the, the windows are shut. And so Woody and um, Slinky... And uh, Bo Peep are like trying to save him. Yeah. And the animation is so insane. There is a flashlight that they shine, and the the rain is reflecting the light. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, what mm-hmm. is? How is that even possible to animate know. that? I don't get it. I don't know. Because wouldn't that take like a hundred years to animate that? I don't know. It's insane. But so they save they save him, and a car pulls up, and then basically we find out that. Um, Bo Peep is being taken. Like by, sold. Yeah, sold to yeah. another guy. And the guy leaves his keys in Andy's house. And so he goes back inside and um, Buzz is like, or I mean, Woody goes down and he's saying bye to her. To Bo Peep and they're under the car in the box. And yeah. I will know he, he's like, come on, we can get out quickly. Like do it. We have, this is our only chance to get out. And she's like, this is, this is the next step. Like this is the next season of my life. Molly yeah. doesn't want me any, anymore. This is this is okay, Woody. And they do this great shot where they're looking at his hands as mm-hmm. he's holding the box, and then it pans up to him, which they repeat at the end of the movie, and it's him having to decide. Because she says, you can come with me. Yeah, there's enough room in the box, and him having to decide, like, do I go with her or do I stay here? And, and what's it's great such is clear right, motivation. Right, yeah, right at that moment, Andy runs outside and is like, Mom, where's Woody? Ugh. So, and this is, uh, did you say, mention that this is when Andy's a kid? I didn't. This is well, I said flat. nine years ago. Yeah, yeah okay, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a, he's a kid, and he's like, Mom, where's Woody? And it's like, oh, he can't go. Yeah. So And and it's what I like, too, is Bo Peep has, a, like, an understanding expression on her face. Like, I understand. Then yeah, she's, she's not, not, she's not uh, mad. mad. No, no, no. She's like, I understand. And it's also like, it's your job. Like, you need to go. Yeah. But, but it's so great that it sets it up right there. It's like, this is the thesis of the movie. And... We've talked about this so many times, but Pixar is just a master of that. They just are like, this is what the movie's about. Let's go. Does every Pixar movie, does every Toy Story movie start in Andy's room? Um, First one does. 
second one does. The third one does? Yeah, because they're all in his toy chest. Yeah, I guess they all do. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Um, so that so now happens. we're back and in then, the present. Well, then they oh, show. Well, they do. Yeah, they do a montage. This montage of Andy playing with the toys, and it's to the "You Got a Friend in Me." Mm -hmm. And right away in the theaters, I am I start crying a little bit because mm -hmm. I'm like, this is it's hitting all the nostalgic strings, but it's it's not like nostalgia for nostalgia sake. Sake, there's actual. Um, they're actually trying to convey something. It's not just trying to trick us into feeling something. And that's another reason why you feel for it, I mm -hmm. think. And it's also just filmed so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Like right there, you're like, this is and already it's worth crazy the crazy to admission. think about what Andy looked like in the first movie. Looking at this kid Andy now and thinking yeah. about him in the first movie and he's kind of freaky. Uh -huh. And it's just like so cool to, to see the progression. Yeah, and then it, and then it floats into you seeing him give Bonnie, uh, Bonnie, give Woody to Bonnie. Yeah, and then finally the movie like is starting. Now. Yeah, so they're in Bonnie's room, they're in the closet, and they're all kind of freaking out because they're like, you know, Bonnie's mom puts us in the closet when she's cleaning her room, and yeah. it's really funny um, relationship between Woody and Dolly, and Dolly's like, yeah, it's like she's been around the block for Bonnie, like she runs the room. Uh -huh. When that's always been Woody's role in Andy's room. So Woody's having a hard time giving that up. And it's played for comedic effect, not for uh, actual tension. He's like, no, no, yeah, wait, yeah, yes, yeah. I, you're right, you're right, you're right. I just, yeah. These are my guys. I know my, I know my guys. I got to calm down my guys. And um, as soon as, so that, that happens. And then Bonnie runs into the room and she is starting to play town with the toys. And she's like, and there's the sheriff. And she takes the, the sheriff pin off of Woody and leaves him in the closet. Yeah. And you discover here that he has not been played with for a while. Yeah. And what what I really like about the scene where he's struggling with um Dolly is that you you see and we talked about this last week, but you see that his character has changed. He's becoming less and less selfish. He's able to give up that control, but he's still the same character. He still has those things that he's trying to he's do. He's still dutiful and faithful and like even when Bonnie doesn't pick him, it's like, "Oh, it's fine." Like yeah, but he's not as selfish as he was no, 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 in the no. previous movies. He, no. This movie, I don't find him to be very selfish. No. Because even when he, when they're all mad that he well, wants to he go is, back in to get Forky. He does Forky, ha have a selfish He does, moment, but, but he is st still trying to save Forky. Yeah, but he's so trying I, to save himself. Yeah, well, <laughs> and therein lies the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, I need you to understand this because we couldn't get Woody to understand up until the end of the movie. Yeah. Hopefully by the end of this podcast. I can understand who I am. Yeah. So you, you find out that um, Bonnie's orientation for pre-K or kindergarten. Pre-K. I think it's pre-K. Her orientation for pre-K is today and she's very terrified. Uh -huh. um, as most children are and, um, her parents won't really let her bring any of her toys. So, but Woody sneaks into her backpack cause he's like, I'm going to make sure she gets through this. Yeah. And, um, so they, she goes to, to pre-K and they're like, Hey, we're going to make some pencil holders. And none of the kids are sitting with Bonnie and she kind of starts crying. And, uh, what I like is they, from, from the last movie and carrying on into this movie, it's not out of character for Bonnie to be shy. Like it was shown that she's yeah, a shy yeah. kid. So it, it does kind of like, it doesn't seem like she's weak or a wimp or anything when she kind of starts crying when. Totally. No, it works. Yeah. So it, it's like, this is like, she's scared. She's just a scared mm -hmm. kid and mm -hmm. that's fine. It's a normal thing that most kids go through. Um, so 
as as she's kind of like you know crying by herself woody gets out of the backpack and secretly and covertly goes to the trash can and dumps it over so some crayons spill out yeah and not only does bonnie find the crayons she finds a spork and uh then she creates forky and this is this is what this is like the key to the movie and um as as the writers talked about it they they said like because of him like that 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 scene where they're walking on the road a little later which we'll uh, we'll jump back to it but um the forky and woody and and Woody having to explain what a toy is to Forky is like that, that dynamic and the like ex- existential crisis that they're both going through is so, so interesting. And it's so cool because we've never seen how a toy is made. So it's also just new for this universe. Yeah. And it's like, what in the world? Yeah. And then Woody's also grappling with, well, I'm trying to explain to you what a toy is, but I don't even know what I am anymore. Yeah, and it's because this, Bonnie isn't, doesn't want to play with him anymore. Yeah, and that's when he accidentally says, um, you need to be there for Andy. And then Forky's like, who's Andy? Yeah. But we'll skip back yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, comes home, Woody's uh, there, Forky's there, and Forky proceeds to, because he's trash, he proceeds to try and throw himself away for the next oh, I don't know, 30 minutes of the movie. Yeah, and the, and the whole time it's Woody taking him out of the trash or making sure he doesn't get into the trash and even to the point where, sorry, Buzz is like, Woody, do you want to take a break? Like, I can handle it for a little bit. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, I need to do this. And it's like, he needs to do this because he has no other purpose. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like good storytelling because when you go when he's trying to explain to forky what he is it's like he is doing he is helping him mm-hmm. to by trying to get him to understand so he's doing a good thing but as the movie goes on and things become more desperate and motives become more clear it, it does turn into something that's about woody not yeah. about forky yeah you yeah you're you're right but um yeah so when then there's this montage where randy newman just whips out a totally classifiable 100 percent banger of a song uh, I can't let you throw yourself away. And it's just, it is a three minute montage of Forky trying to throw himself in the trash and Woody preventing it from happening. And it's hilarious. Yeah. And I remember right when the gospel choir kicked in, when I saw it in theaters the first time, I was just like, oh, I love this movie. Right when that yeah. moment happened. Because some that we spoke to last episode, but not so much in this one yet, is that. I think when Toy Story 4 was announced, there was a collective sigh where yeah. people were like, We didn't really? ask it for this. It ended so well. And I remember watching the trailers and I love Toy Story. I've always loved it. And I was like, Yeah, I'm going to see the movie because it's Toy Story, but I'm not really interested in seeing it. Well, I'm just nervous. That's what yeah, I felt. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous and I'm like, Four is a weird number. It should have been three. And and it's like, What is but this going to be? Coming up to, to its release, you're kind of learning, though, that. Um, the people made the movie because there was another, there was one more part of the story to tell. And I remember as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, I trust them. Right. Which, which I was like, okay, I hope that they are not just pulling our chain though, because that is something every interview they say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I believe it. And I'm just like, you know, I I was afraid that it was basically going to be like their, um, specials that they've done of toy story, like the half hour specials specials, which are fun, but they don't have the like impact and high quality of like a toy story movie. Yeah. Um, and then when that moment hit, I was like, 
okay, I love this movie. Yeah. And that's when I was like, I'm not worried anymore. I'm here for the ride. I'm not going to like be on the edge of my seat just hoping they can do something good. And then, you know, as it's going on, you can kind of tell, I think, that like Toy Story, uh, Woody's going to have to leave. Yeah. And that's when you're like, oh, that's what they're doing in this movie. This is this is like next level stuff. They are yeah. they are going for it all the way. And um, I think it's beautifully put that, uh, again, David Sims, that this feels less like another entry in the Toy Story series and more of a um, a epilogue to the series. Yeah. And just like a note about Woody finishing his story. And it's not so much about everybody else. And I think they do that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I agree with you. Um, and then this is when Buzz's character arc begins um where Woody's like I gotta do this and uh Buzz Buzz is like well what's this inner voice you're talking about yeah and he goes you know that voice that tells you what to do and then he presses himself and he hears you know is like Buzz Lightyear command center which will go throughout the movie where when he needs something he'll click it and it'll usually say something that actually winds up coincidentally being what he needs to do yeah which is a hilarious bit yeah I love that um and then Forky jumps out the window mm-hmm. while they're talking. They do the Jaws pull focus shot on yeah. Woody when he's standing at the window where the background like sh- like falls apart or not. It like zooms out yeah. while they're zooming in on him, but keeping him. It's hard to describe, but the, the dolly zoom in Jaws shot. Um, look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. And again, you're like, so they went to all that effort to animate uh, this physical camera shot that's insane yeah but it's cool and then he jumps out the window and him and forky have that conversation that we previously talked about and once again animation they're walking on this asphalt the the i think this is when the aspect ratio looking back on it now like really speaks to like how why they chose it because it is so huge and they look so small yeah and it's it was brilliant, but it's so funny how Forky's like waddling and then he's skidding, yeah. And then he's waddling and skidding, and I'm like, that's such an extra touch that um, I don't think any other studio would have cared to do. No, they would have figured out an easier way to do it. Yeah, and and he keep, remember what were you saying the carry me thing because he keeps well, he asking just is to like, carry, carry me. And he's like, no. A couple seconds later, carry me, no. And then as they're talking, Woody winds up carrying him. <laughs> And then there's that great thing. And that's when he realizes, I'm sorry if you've already said it, but throughout this conversation, he realizes, um, like, Crash is great. It's warm. It's cozy. And Woody's like, that's what Bonnie thinks of you. You're warm and cozy to her. And um, Forky's like, I'm Bonnie's trash. We got to get back to her. And Woody's like, that's not what I'm saying. But yeah. So then that, like, they get to the town where Mm -hmm. where Bonnie and his, her parents are, um, vacationing um and they pass by an antique shop and they see what he notices bo peep's lamp yes so he's so they go into the antique store yeah and this is when we meet gabby gabby and benson her her uh dummies that ventriloquist help her. ventriloquist dummies that yeah. help her and horror sequence again yeah. those dummies are scary and then they use horror devices again in filming them and then the shining music plays on a record as they're going i around. love that such a great touch such a great touch. And the antique shop is bonkers um, because it is, some parts are really dusty, how the light's hitting 
so many different objects with so many different textures and how oh, that how that just plays yeah. into it and dust particles floating around cobwebs cobwebs i mean all this stuff that i never th- again another studio would have just been like well j- just don't have cobwebs up here no one's gonna even notice yeah um and something that i found pretty interesting was uh, andrew stanton was speaking to like you know when you're writing something like this they're becomes a tendency of like you have to top yourself top yourself so you have like the airport scene in the second one and then you have the trash compartment scene in the third one and he was like what i wanted to remind remind ourselves as we were writing it and direct, working on it and all that stuff is that and i'm sure a lot of this was focused by the director as well josh cooley um is that they some of the fun of the Toy Story movies is simple things like they're under a merry-go-round and it's just a perspective you've never seen. Yeah. It's very simple, but it's that. Or like they're behind a wall where there's like plugs and stuff. Yeah. Like, and all of that stuff pops so hard uh-huh. because you you haven't really seen that before. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to necessarily do this huge set piece and try and top yourself. Right. Because um, I mean, the carnival is huge, but they don't, I don't feel like they set it up like a huge set piece. No. Um. But anyway, uh, so Gabby Gabby learns that Woody has a functioning toy box or voice box, and she has she came out of the factory with a broken one. Therefore, she's never been she's never had a kid. Yeah, Yeah. and that's all she wants, of course, because that's what any toy wants. Uh Um, so pretty much it's getting really creepy and really weird. They're basically like, we're gonna take your voice box out of you, and so Woody and Forky start running away, and Forky um they get Forky, but Woody escapes. Yeah. And Woody gets to his knee escape to the park like immediately. I think so, yeah. Um so love this whole idea too, like this reality of it. Um Woody's in the sandbox and he's, you know, like hiding, kind of looking up, and then there's a toy by him, and you start hearing kids, like a bus stops, mm-hmm. and there's a toy next to him that's like, How many are there? Can you see? And so you're like, Oh my gosh, there are just these like discarded toys at this park that kids have left behind yeah <laughs> and this is just where they live now because everyday kids come to these park and they play with these toys yeah love that that other look on the world of toys <laughs> so the, meanwhile the whole time woody's trying to run away from all of the kids because he's just trying to get to safety yeah and who does he see he runs into bo peep and then the first time they see each other it's just someone holding both of them love it and they're looking at each other he's but like, they oh, can't I love react you. that's like what the kid's saying yeah and then they kind of escape together. Yeah. Um, and then they're having this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, where's your kid? Where's your kid? Oh, are you lost? Are you lost? Um, oh, that's great. That's terrible. Yeah. And so they're they're having this whole exchange, and you can tell that she's been she's like self made now. Yeah. And she's like doing her thing. And she's and enjoying being, it. Yeah. And, and she's she's like, I get to be played with when I want to be, and I don't have to, like, I get to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um. And I don't, I'm not collecting dust anymore. And she doesn't really seem bitter. She seems kind of like sad about Mm -hmm. the whole not being with Molly situation anymore, but she doesn't seem bitter about it. Yeah. And so he, he also reunites with her sheep and he meets some other new toys, like the police officer, little mini police officer toy, which I think I definitely had something like that when I was a kid. Officer Dimples McGiggles, I I think think is her name. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Polly Pockets. Yeah, and the the sheep are like driving around this like skunk remote yeah. control car, which is so funny. Also, probably real because this movie's real. <laughs> yeah. And then they do one of the funniest jokes in the whole movie, where these three GI Joe yeah, guys okay. come up to combat him. Carl. Combat Carl, played by Carl Weathers. 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so they come up, they're talking to him, and they're like high fives, and they're all high fiving, and the one dude in the back doesn't get a high five. Holds it up, and, and then, they do that like three times in the scene. That yeah. joke. Well, um, they do it once, but they do it like two or three times in the movie. No, no that scene they do it a oh, couple times. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. But I'm they sorry. also do it throughout the movie. Yeah. And then at the very end, at the end credits, Duke Kaboom drives around and does the Pixar lamp bounce on the eye, and then he gives Combat Carl a high five. So yeah. if you look at the credits, you can see that. Yeah, which he is finally funny. gets it. Um, but uh, oh shoot, I had this thing that I was wanted to talk about, but I lost it. Um, let's talk about Harmony, and then uh, get to Ducky and uh, Harmony. Harmony, uh, Gabby, Gabby's toy. Oh, the girl or, uh, person. I mean, okay, so. You have Forky up in like this uh, like China cabinet with Gabby Gabby, which is you can see like that's where she lives. Uh-huh. Um, and she that that's when you have that perspective shot, that split diopter thing. Um, and Forky's just waiting for Woody to come back. He's so naive. It's all fine. Like he's coming back for me. It's okay. Because Gabby says he will. Yeah. Um, and you're finding out that Gabby's, like we've said, never been played with. She really wants this voice box now that she has the opportunity. And then she sees Harmony, who is the granddaughter of the woman who owns the antique shop. Mm-hmm. And you can see she's looking at her like this is her dream is to that that to be her kid. And if she just gets her voice box fixed. Yeah. She, she can, will play with her. Yeah. And she'll take her home and love her forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so then I think that uh, meanwhile, all of the toys in the but then the car rv rv are like still waiting for woody and forky to get back meanwhile bonnie and her parents are like searching for forky yeah um but that's when buzz jumps out of the window to try and go find woody Uh and he gets he ends up um being becoming a prize for one of the carnival toys like like zip tied up on the wall played by bill Hader. Played by the the car, the game guy as Bill Hader, yeah. but zip tied up to the wall and is now stuck. Yeah, I, I'm kind of jumping around a lot, but no, no, no that's fine. But scene. but anyway, he he escapes with um the the two characters played by uh um uh, Key and Peele, Key and Peele, and they're and they're so funny. They're so very. It gets funny because he keeps playing like Woody or Buzz keeps doing his like inner voice, press, pressing his button. Yeah, and that's really ticking them off because uh, they're like, "You think you can just get out of here? All that stuff? Like, you think you're gonna be the top prize?" And it's like Buzz isn't really talking to them, yeah. but they're just already mad at him. Yeah. So when he escapes, they come, they like get dragged with him, literally. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because they're still mad at him because they think they're like, "We went up there for three years, like all all this stuff," and it's so funny. And then that's when Buzz finds Woody and Bo Peep and the stuffed animals that what are they saying oh because they're all talking and then they're like what he says we just need to get back to bonnie and they're like oh, you have a kid yeah so basically like yeah if you come with me you can be bonnie's too yeah so they're like cool we're here for this um so they have to come up with a plan to continue to get forky out of the antique shop <laughs> and then basically so that we're not just talking through every little sequence yeah. they they attempt to get forky they fail in their attempt. We That's see. when Duke Kaboom comes in. Uh, yes, and yes. and also tin tinny. Yeah, the tin the tin toy from their um, first ever short. Their second short. Pixar oh, sec- lamp was first one. Uh, so that was their right, right. their second short of Pixar ever. Was that nineteen eighty eight? I believe it was, and um, that was who was going to be the original like star of Toy Story. Yeah. So it's cool that they put him in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, then we also, meet Duke Kaboom. It's just to say, right. Tinny is on Disney Plus. Yeah. And if you want to see the creepiest animated baby you've ever seen, yes, watch it. Yes. Um. Anyway, we yeah, meet so Duke Kaboom, who has this hilarious backstory where this kid saw a commercial and he didn't jump as far as like the commercial made the toy look like it would go. But it's all in this, um, it's all in this over dramatic, like on a stage, bearing your heart, like Jean. You know, he would not play with me. Yeah. You know, it's very over the top and because he's a stuntman, it's yeah. it's perfect. And I think I like that I just think it's a nice, fun, interesting character touch where he's like um Canada's top stuntman. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's Canuck just, with the most luck. Yeah. So I think that's just a funny funny touch. Yeah, um, and they keep saying things like I could never make that jump and then he he's like they're like, Yeah, but you could crash that. And yeah. not ever any any old Duke Kaboom could jump, but not all of them could crash. Yeah. And so they attempt to get Forky. They fail. Um, I, is this the sequence where they like almost all like the, the cat attacks him yep. and stuff too? Yep. The cat animation, mind blowing. Yeah, it's cool. So if not for the, the cartoony eyes, indistinguishable. Yeah. And there's dust particles floating around. I, insane. If you take like the original Spud dog and compare the two. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. <laughs> I wonder if it's a little bit easier to do a cat because they're fluid. Oh, it might be. But maybe not. It could be just probably just as hard. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so they, they managed to escape, obviously, without Forky. So Woody is like, we are not leaving without Forky. And they're they're pretty much like, it's time to go back. And like, then he's Bonnie like, it's the only them. thing I have left to do. Yeah. And so then Bo Peep's like, Basically, to to her, that meant I am not going with you. Like yeah. he's telling her that for the second time, so she just is like, "Fine," and she leaves with Kaboom and the stuffed animals. Uh-huh. And I love as they're leaving, the stuffed animal. I think it was Key says to to Woody, "Like you crazy." Yeah. <laughs> and do, then, do you remember Buzz in that? Though? That's what I'm getting. To okay, okay. So Buzz is still trying to convince Woody to to like it's time to go back. Like they're about to leave. And yeah. Woody is just not classic Woody being stubborn is yeah. not listening. And basically like we can't leave him behind. And he goes back in and Buzz is like, well, there he goes. He just left me behind. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty poignant moment. Yeah. Um, but then basically he reasons with Gabby Gabby and he's like, I need Forky back. And she goes, just give me your toy, your voice, voice box. box. And then I can be loved. Yeah. And he kind of, he empathizes and he goes, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then she gets the the box and it's working and he gets Forky out of there and they're um, getting ready to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Well, Bonnie comes to the tank antique shop because she left her backpack there. Yeah. And uh, then Gabby Gabby attempts to... Uh, be played with. Be played with and the Harmony just throws her away. Yeah. For a second, it's like, oh, a toy. And Grandma's like, you can take it home. And then she's like, nah, yeah. throws her in a box. And then Woody, still being his stubborn self, he doesn't want to see a toy in pain. Yeah. So he he's like, come on, we'll help you out. And she's like, what's the point? And he goes, there's other kids. This will work out. Come on. And so they're escaping. Um, and as they're escaping, there's the great sequence where they jump over the Ferris wheel or through the Ferris wheel. And Duke, Duke Kaboom, Kaboom is like, I can do it. I can do the jump. With my eyes closed. And then he just goes and he totally makes it. And I love it when he he makes it, obviously, but he breaks a light bulb. 
It's just like it's just that was a really nice touch. I liked that. Yeah, and it makes that really satisfying pop yeah. that a light yeah. bulb makes. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, but he's a toy, so he's fine. He's just plastic. Yeah. It's funny. Um, so anyway, doing all that, um, we did forget to mention that that uh the Key and Peel characters have a very, very funny bit. Yeah. Where they are trying to get this key and they they just basically have a fantasy of attacking someone. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um hilarious. Yeah. And then, then it's kind of like, you know, this movie is really about the characters who are in play. Yeah. So you still have all of the other characters who are on the RV. And it's like, now it comes time for their characters to do something. Um, like, especially like Jesse. Yeah. So they are still not back on the RV. So they need to stall. So throughout the day, like Jesse gave him a flat tire. Yeah. So they fixed that. Now they're leaving. But now the toys are working as the GPS. Right, which which um, we had talked about how Buzz and then the GPS people, the only the only movie that does the uh, yeah. toys do not talk to humans in some regard or or make noises that humans hear beyond their own like batteries and yeah. stuff. Um, the only one that doesn't do that is Toy Story three because in yeah. one you have, um, what's his name Spike Sid Sid, um, the toys all like basically attack him. In two you have Slinky barking at a girl who goes up to yeah the cone um no no, no he goes up to him in the airport when yeah. he's in the dog cage to yeah. try and scare her away and then three there's nothing and then in four they talk to the parents and, yeah. and get them redirected and that scene is hilarious yeah so it's yeah so they eventually get them to stop the rv they get out of the rv to try and figure it out no no, no yeah no they, they start playing with the brake and gas pedal yeah. which is like this is so dangerous and hilarious and one of the toys has kept saying how um we could do something that would put dad in jail yeah and then finally like the police and are he's trying the to pull one that's like car. pulling on the gas and stuff like doing the really dangerous <laughs> and part he's like dad's totally gonna go to jail yeah it's really <laughs> funny um so yeah they get finally pulled over by a police officer which places the rv in a perfect spot for the awning to come out and for the toys to get on the, and go back day saved yeah, and then we have the moment. Yeah. The moment where Woody has to make the decision to go with Bonnie or to go with Bo Peep. Which at first, it's still just like Woody's like, I'm going home. It was really nice to see you. Yeah. And I just, it's just so well done because so all the toys are back and he's walking over. Buzz is waiting for him in the middle of the awning and Woody just walks up to him and there's this look on his face where he's just like, I have to go with her. Like, like this is the right thing to do, but you can see that it's not an easy decision for him to make. And, and Buzz is just like, I know. Well, Buzz says, Buzz says she'll be okay. She'll be okay. That's what he says. And you're, you're, and, and, um, you're thinking he's talking about Bo Peep. And then, and then he's like, I'm talking about Bonnie. Yeah. And then he's like, go cowboy or whatever. And then you start tearing up here. Yeah. And and we've done the shot where you see his um, hands hands on the carousel, and then the camera pans up to him like they did earlier. And then all the toys come out; they say their goodbyes. It's beautiful, and you're like, "That was insane! That was so touching, crazy." Oh, we never mentioned that Gabby Gabby went with a oh, yeah. girl that was lost. Uh, Sidetrack. So they're the, the whole idea is like we're gonna get Gabby to Bonnie, and it'll be fine. Yeah. So as they're going, Gabby sees a little girl that is lost at the carnival. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, this is the moment for her. So I like that she's really nervous about it, especially since she had just, just been rejected. Yeah. Um, but I think, I forget what he says. He says something to her, though. That was a really good line. Pretty much, though, that it's going to be okay and this is it. 
Just yeah. be yourself. So they position her in a perfect spot. The kid notices her and the kid. I just love it because it's such kid logic too in my mind because this kid is crying and scared. Picks up Gabby Gabby and is like, are you lost too? Like, I'll yeah. keep you safe. And that gives her the courage to go to that security officer and tell her that she's lost. So that really great redemp- redemption. Yeah, for Gabby Gabby. For the first time. Uh... <laughs> okay, now we're back on the awning. And then we're on the awning. They're saying their goodbyes. It's very heartfelt. It's beautiful. The music is fantastic. And then they're driving away. And then Buzz looks out and he says, to infinity, as he's looking toward Woody. And Woody says, and beyond. And that got me so hard on all all the viewings. But this one, too, I was just like, because you see that the movie, it's, you know, there is the, the empty nester, like um, like parents who are trying to figure out what to do now that their kids are gone. But there is also this like very beautiful thing about friendship that, that relates to me more where it's like if you lose someone or if you have a friend and maybe you've grown apart or something, and sometimes it's okay to not try and hold on to that stuff mm-hmm. so hard, especially like if you've grown apart with a friend. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. okay to go... We had our time, and that's that should be celebrated. But now it's time for a new time mm-hmm. to infinity and, I, I think and beyond. E- even like bigger than that, too. It also just means accepting the next phase of life. Yeah, which is pretty much what every movie is about. Yeah, is accepting fate. Mm-hmm. And then this one is especially it, where it's like, it, you know, pretty much the whole time Woody's just been working. Yeah, and he's been working in his whole existence, being Andy and Bonnie's toy. And it's finally like, you can be done. You can rest. Yeah. It's like the Tony Stark. Like, you can, yes. you can rest now. Yeah. And um, what's really nice that I noticed this time, and, and I could be wrong because I, I don't remember what it's like in the other movies, but, you know, the Toy Story clouds are so iconic. Yeah. The day, it's like bright blue sky and then the Toy Story clouds. And this movie ends, if you remember, it pans up into the night sky and you're looking at a moon and a black is my, are my glasses all weird? Yeah. Um, you, it pans up and it's a night sky and there's a moon. Oh, I didn't notice that. So it feels to me like it's saying like that's the entire story. Like yeah. Now, that was the di- those four movies were the day and now yeah. it's the night. Yeah. And uh, fantastic. I mm. I love it. Um, I think every movie's perfect. Yeah. Um, if I'm forced to give a uh, ranking at gunpoint, I would go. <laughs> Uh, I would go from um, from least favorite to favorite, even though they're all my favorite, and every time I watch one, I kind of feel like it's the best one. Least favorite to favorite, I would go three, one, four, and two as the as my favorite. And I I agree with that, and not just because we're married. No, um, I thought four was gonna be my third favorite, but after watching them all again, it's just like that in that ending really is powerful it's really really powerful i like too how this one wasn't so much about life and death yeah like i mean i guess the second one isn't either but the first one kind of is you know like sid's going to blow them up (laughs) yeah um but the second one's not really it's more about separation like this one is but the third one is like there is a life and death moment Uh and and I, i like that this one doesn't like it didn't have that kind of conflict yeah, and it's I would nice say, that the stakes are emotionally really high, yeah. but they're not physically, physically not. not so much. Because Woody losing his voice box doesn't doesn't really affect him. 
especially yeah. now. Yeah. Doesn't matter, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, what do you say? What do you say? Except talking about it for about an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, uh, th- we thank you for listening. Uh, there's a snake in my boot, frankly. Um, if you want to get your episodes early, sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash Micah McCaw series. Well, hang on. I want to plug and then we'll go. Um, pretty sure the album's going to be released March 13th. My album imbalances. Uh, yes. Uh, and, and really you should sign up for Patreon. You'll get, I'm going to probably put the album up. Um, a couple of weeks early for the Patreon listeners and they can just download the album and own it. Um, cause, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, and then there's going to be discounts on merch. I would hope that maybe this week we have released a video and you can buy sweatshirts for the album and oh. t-shirts. Well, my voice broke. And if you're a Patreon, you get discounts on both of those things. Pretty cool. If you're in the top tier, if you're in the $5 tier, not as much, but you still, yeah. I still love you so much. Yeah. Um, but thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And then finally, what in the world are we going to cover next week? Yeah, it's like, should we go big or should we go small? And we already said we're going big. Well, we went big, then we went small, then we went big, then we went small, then we went big, then we went small. So that would mean we'd need to go big. Big, big. Like, magically big. Magically big. Jordan, but what... What could we possibly... Is it something we've seen before? It's based on a book series. Okay. That is one of the most popular children book series, I would say, of all time. So, oh, it must be um, a series of unfortunate events. But I thought they only made one of those. No, no, no. Okay, wait, wait, hang on. Spiderwick Chronicles? But they only made one of those, too. In a way, it's the series that must not be named... Do we, do, do we title our series? That would be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Harry Potter, folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing Harry Potter. Um, yeah. And that'll be next week. And and um, when we do a series, as we've done before, um, as you should know by now, it's not like we do Captain America and Captain America. We do the whole franchise. So we're also doing Fantastic so Beasts. We're doing Fantastic Beasts. Um, of course. Please pray for us. It'll be in chronological order, so those will be last. But um, so we're starting with the Sorcerer's Stone, and if we have any UK listeners, the, the Philosopher's, Philosopher's Stone. Stone. Um, yeah. So the series that shall not be named begins next week. Cool. Uh, thanks for listening. See you later. Peace to infinity and, and beyond. beyond.